Welcome back to Codurance Talk, the podcast for those interested in learning about software craftsmanship and all things related to technology and agile. We share our conversations on software engineering and future technologies to provide you with exclusive insights on how to build a successful career as a developer and craft with heart. I'm Kirsten and I'm the Regional Director for UK North at Codurance. And today we're going to be discussing expert T-shaped or generalist, what's the best option for your tech career? I'm joined by three guests from Codurance today. Um, we have Peter Street, James Hughes and Lawrence Lord, and they are all software craftspeople at Codurance, um, otherwise known as software developers at other com companies. As ever, we really value your comments and feedback, which you can share with us um, via our social media channels. Okay, um, I guess a good place to start would be um, with introductions. Peter, do you want to tell us a bit more about yourself and also what shape you think you are? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, hi, I'm Peter. Um, I've been developing now. I started uh, my career in 99. Uh, I actually started coding on a BBCB in the mid-80s, so that really ages me uh, as these things go. Um, as to what shape I am, I'm a person who greatly believes in learning. I love learning. So I've always thought of myself as a generalist, but then through my career, I've found I've gone into specialization purely by accident. So I've never deliberately specialized but I found myself specializing in lots of different things as my career has gone on. So I'm sort of multi-T-shaped with a very broad top, uh, you might say. Cool. Well, um, one of the things I realized when I was doing a little bit of research for this episode is there are lots of different letters that kind of define different shapes these days. So we're not purely limited to specialist, generalist and T-shaped, but we'll try and keep things simple and not, not confuse people. Um, okay, next um, we um, will hear a little bit from Lawrence. Um, Lawrence, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure, yeah, thanks Kirsten. As I've been kind of reflecting on this, you know, if, I, if I'm asked, you know, are you a specialist or a generalist, I'd say specialist. And I, I like the T-shape idea. I like the, you know, you've got uh, a little bit of depth across a really broad range of things. Um, and then you've got a lot of depth in one area. But I think similar to Peter, I've, I've, like I've gone deep on more than one thing. So I'm like, hmm, would I like an M shape kind of be better? You know, like se several deep things. But um, yeah, in terms of trying to keep it simple, I think I've, I've definitely consciously chosen to, to be a specialist in my career. Um, I guess we're going to go into more depth after the intros, but um, it feels to me like, you know, with, with only one lifetime to live, if you're if you're drawn to go deep on things, then there's not enough time to go deep on that many things. Um, so, so yeah, kind of, I identify as T-shaped. Great. Um, looking forward to hearing more from you, Lawrence, in a bit. And uh, we have one final guest to introduce and that's James. Oh yeah, thanks. Uh, so yeah, as Chris said, uh, I'm James, uh, recently joined uh, Codurance. I've been programming since I was about 13. Uh, I taught myself C++ to get out of doing a bunch of quadratic equations by hand. And uh, it's sort of just, uh, well, I ran with it. Uh, I've done everything from, you know, low level VHDL and C stuff to, you know, higher level .NET and uh, some of the fancier front end frameworks. So my sort of daily bread and butter is definitely with C Sharp and .NET. Um, you know, I consider myself a bit of an expert in that. So by definition, I guess I'm T-shaped. Cool. Thank you. Okay. So um, it'd probably good, be good to start actually by defining what we mean by generalist, T-shaped and specialist and what that kind of means in the context of software engineering roles. Um, so, okay. Who'd like to, to go first with, the, with generalist? I think I've shaped my career, you might say, about being as generalist as I can. Um, I always started off knowing I wanted to be in computers because they just I just love computers. Uh, I'm a geek by definition. So I've been very, very generalist uh, in my approach to learning, in my approach to what I do. So I've when I've had the opportunity to learn about something, to work with it, to use it, I have gone for it. 
Um, I've never tried to go to a new job or role by saying I am, for instance, I worked for a long time with Microsoft Dynamics CRM. It's one of the very deep tees I was in for a good 12 years. But I never went to a new job saying I'm a Dynamics CRM developer. At the most, I would say is I'm a developer who's recently been working on Dynamics CRM. And I see a very big difference between those two things. I like to get as much information on as broad a range of subjects as possible um, because I believe that helps me in every aspect I do. So that's what I would say when I talk about a generalist, that's how I view myself. I, I try to get information, never restrict it, never focus it on just one thing, but try to get as broad an information intake as I can. Okay, who wants to um, go with the definition for T-shaped? Yeah, I guess I'll jump in on this one. So the way I think about, um, you know, the whole thing is uh, almost in terms of skill points in an RPG. So, you know, you've got any one or a histogram if you want to get more, you know, scientific about it, where you've got, you know, effort down one side, and sorry, specialism down one side and uh, topics down the bottom. Uh, depends how you want to think about it. But at any given point in time, you've got a specific amount of cognitive capacity that you can invest. So, you know, you may have invested, you know, say 10 points in C sharp and then two points in, you know, uh, C dart, F sharp or whatever, and all these different technologies. And being T-shaped is, is almost by definition when you spread yourself fairly wide, but then you gain a more in-depth knowledge uh, on one or two topics. Obviously, as we've discussed, you can have M shapes, W shapes, or whatever, where you've got lots of peaks, but the more peaks you have, the lower those peaks are going to be. Um, and obviously, over time, you know, that can change as you learn new skills and forget old ones. But I, I think that's sort of the uh, the general uh, just about approach. It. Okay, thank you, James. And um, let's, um, let's get a definition of specialist for our audience. Lawrence, do you want to take that one? I can give it a shot. Um, I don't know if I can say anything that's that's not obvious. I hadn't actually occurred to me that a sort of a non-T-shaped specialist would exist, but I guess when we talk about T-shaped, we're, um, you know, if, if we see T-shaped as positive, then we're saying that having a, a small amount of knowledge across a broad range of things, as well as having a lot of knowledge in, in one specific area, um, is desirable. I, I guess if you were to try and promote a specialist above that, it would be like, why spend the time gathering that that knowledge in a, a broad range of things? Why not just like apply all of the learning in, like in one continuous uh, sort of specialist area? Um, I think James was saying like the obviously the more peaks there are to whatever shape you're you're drawing the like the lower those peaks are going to be so i suppose a specialist is someone who wants to go as deep as possible in one area um and kind of with that decision made they don't spend time on anything else yeah, well i think that the prime example of a a specialist who the only focus on one area would be Linus Torvalds. You know, he, he made the Linux kernel and that's pretty, along with that and Git, it's pretty much all he's worked on since the 1990s. Um, so, you know, when I think of a, a true specialist, we're talking about, you know, proper greybeards who are, you know, absolute subject matter experts on one very, very specific thing. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm sure Linus could, you know, pick up another language perfectly fine, but he chooses not to. Or if you think of the guys who uh, sit down in the basement of banks maintaining their Algol mainframes, you know, they, they know one thing, they know it really well. And if you had to pick, you know, a thousand developers, that specialist is almost certainly going to be the best at that one specific thing. That's the way I think about it anyway. So having building up a reputation for yourself in, in one particular area as well. I, I don't necessarily think it's about building up the reputation, but I think the reputation is a natural consequence of it. Okay. I almost find it hard to believe that such a thing exists. You know, if if we if we accept that there's a people who are T-shaped, you know, people who have gone deep in one area, but they have some knowledge elsewhere. I just I can't imagine. I'm not sure I've like had sort of direct contact with someone who just doesn't know 
about anything outside their specialist subjects. Um, yeah, I actually have. Yeah, I that's, work. That's interesting. Yeah, I work with a chap who he did Delphi. That was all he did. He was amazing at Delphi. I mean, some of the things he did, you you look at it. He he knew probably more about Delphi than Borland, but he had no interest in computers, in technology, in migrating to .NET. This was in about 2005, 2006, so the world was starting to migrate to newer technologies than Delphi. He had no interest in that. He just wanted to sit there and do Delphi. He didn't want to learn anything else. He didn't want to put the effort in to gain more knowledge. He knew Delphi. He did Delphi. That was good for him. And that is what I think of when I think of a a negative specialist. I think in a lot of these, there's negative and positive aspects to them. That is what I would call a negative specialist, someone who has focused on something to the absolution of everything else, but also has no interest in progressing with technology. Um, And as far as I knew, he ended up retiring after the job uh, finished because he had no further, there was no demand for Delphi developer. Um, so he ended up retiring. I'm assuming he was happy with that decision. I don't know. Um, um, which leads me quite nicely onto my next question, which are, you know, what are the risks for your career if you decide to specialise? Well, that's fundamentally it. I think if the, uh, especially in the world we live in now, technology progresses so quickly, that if you are, are just specialised in, in one thing, then as soon as that becomes out of date, you're pretty much stuffed. Um, so there's that. And on top of that, if you choose to specialise in one thing, you get out of the habit of learning. I think that's one of the, the main benefits of being T-shaped because you've got a base level of knowledge in a lot of different things. Um, you're constantly having to you know learn and keep that updated. And it means you can pivot and shift uh, more easily. You know Where your peak is, in your knowledge today probably won't be the same peak in two years but because you've got that overall sort of uh, habit of learning it, it makes that a lot easier yeah it's interesting you bring that up because actually when i'm hiring people um one of the things i look for specifically is aptitude for learning people who enjoy learning have inquisitive minds and can pick up new skills because the technology is constantly going to be changing yeah. um, and especially working in a in a professional services firm um, you need to be able to pick up new skills depending on what the cl- clients need help with. Um, are there any advantages um, to, to being a specialist, do we think? Yeah, if you want to go work in one very, very specific area and you're willing to accept the risk that you could become obsolete. The example I gave is, you know, Aldol mainframes in banking basements. That's a very, very high paid job now because there's maybe 10 developers in the country who can do it. Uh, and if you are willing to accept that risk, specialise in Algol, you'll make a fortune. Um, but as soon as those banks update those mainframes, you're out of job. So, you know, it, it sort of depends on your risk tolerance and uh, whether or not you're willing to accept that. Also, if you want to go into something really complicated, like, say, compiler development, or, you know, you want to be a maintainer of the Linux kernel, uh, you can do some really, really interesting work when you're operating at that level. But there are a few jobs you know, going at that sort of level of speciality. So again, it's a bit of a career risk. Okay. So moving on to um, to being a generalist, um, what do we see as the main advantages and disadvantages there from a career perspective? I'd like to jump in on that one because I've, I've kind of experienced some of these myself. So I don't view myself just as a computer generalist. I try to learn about as many things as I possibly can. I have an insatiable curiosity. Uh, which has led me to learning about all sorts of random stuff, Um, from how black holes work, the the principles of the physics of light, uh, quantum mechanics, mathematics, computers, you name it, I will try and learn it. Some effectively, some not. And one of the great things I've found is there are some very, very weird, but sudden um, comparisons you can make. The more you learn, the more you see, oh, 
someone did something completely in an unrelated, totally abstract situation in a totally other field, but I can use it here. Um, someone did something, said something, discussed something, and it triggers something in your mind. And you then start running down a route when you're trying to fix a problem somewhere else or trying to understand an architecture or trying to develop something. And if you didn't know about that, um, you would not be able to apply it where you are. The classic example I've given on that is um, microwaves being used to warm up uh, rats. Uh, in the 50s, they were trying to study cryogenics for um, space, so they were studying it on rats. It worked, but they were having problems. One of the scientists was a very, very generalist, and he happened to know about the recent discoveries of uh, dielectric heating, which was microwave-induced heating. So he brought that into the technology. It worked perfectly. They could freeze and resuscitate rats. It didn't scale. Um, they were trying to get the idea of we could freeze and send humans to Mars or future other planets. It didn't scale. It didn't work. But that technology applied and came from way left field in that application. And that sort of synergy of thought is something I've, I've found bringing information in from as many places as possible. Sometimes something clicks and you get a spark that you can go, oh, they did that there. It's a very good point, although my argument to that would be in order to understand the ramifications and apply that connection properly, you do need to be some sort of level of T-shape because otherwise you won't have the specialization to know, right, okay, we've made a microwave over here. And now how do we apply it to rats without just cooking? Exactly. You know? so, <laughs> again, I think it comes down to how big are your peaks, how you know, yeah. low are your troughs, but there's definitely a, an advantage to knowing a lot of different things. Um, I think that the main downside to, well, the main upside, I think, for being a generalist, apart from that, because I haven't considered that one, is you, you know, you're never going to be out of a job if you're a generalist. You're always going to be able to pick up jobs because you're always going to have a skill that someone needs. But at the same time, you're going to be limited in terms of how far you can progress in that role without developing some level of speciality. Because remember, you can always change from one to another at a later date by expending some effort. But you're never going to be able to go and be a, you know, say a, a lead engineer if you're a generalist in everything, because you're you're not going to be able to make the complicated contextual and situational decisions that surround um, whatever problem you're trying to solve. You know, you might have the knowledge to solve that problem, but you're not going to know how it impacts everything else surrounding it without some level of specialism. So it's it's always worth bearing that in mind as well. But I think uh, that's something that generally happens organically as your career progresses anyway. So not necessarily something you have to plan. Thanks. Um, I'll bring Lawrence in at this point and we'll move on to um, T-shapes. What, um, what are your thoughts in terms of the key dis uh, advantages and disadvantages um, for someone's career if they're T-shaped? I think it's definitely an academic discussion. You know, I think there's always going to be like exceptions. Anything that we state as if it's a rule is going to be exceptions to it. I think it's... For me, like the idea of T-shaped um, is like a concept that you can fit around like an already existing career or you can um, try and get into some specifics. So I, when I've interviewed um, people, I've, I've actually said, and this, this includes interviewing people to join Cogerance, I've said, oh, yeah, we look for T-shaped people. Um, I mean, I've, I've been at Cogens for three years and a lot of stuff changes. So, you know, don't don't take that as like me speaking on behalf of Cogens and, and what we look for these days. But I've I've used that phrase when people are, um, you, you kind of exploring someone's tree of knowledge and you're, you're checking lots and lots of different branches. And as soon as you get to the point where you're like, OK, we can't really go much deeper on this branch. I'm more interested in switching branch and switching branch, switching branch until I found the one that we can go deep on. And the reason why I say I think this is academic is I think I think you can find that with anyone, you know, no matter whether uh, there's a case for saying that someone's a specialist or a generalist or a T-shape. I, I think like 
you can talk to people about a range of subjects and they'll know a certain amount and then you can find something they're really interested in and go deep on it and in terms of like how that helps your career well, it just depends what you're able to go deep on you know if you're able to go deep on something that you use in your job you know the technology and approach to soft skills a way of structuring teams and understanding of, of agile or a certain aspect of any one of those things you know that's obviously profitable because it takes time to build up those skills and those knowledges so if those are things that are going to be of value to um, a company or a product or some customers, then it's good for your career, right? Um, and the fact that it takes time to build those things up just means that fewer people are going to have them. You're not, you're not just going to sort of like come straight out of education and, and like have a bunch of experience that, that someone who has kind of like... Um, gone back to the same subject again and again or you know worked in the same area repeatedly and they've, they've kind of gone deeper so for me I, I see t-shapers as like a, a positive thing i see it as a good way to to be comfortable with the fact that there's a lot of things that you're aware of that you don't know and that's fine and i think it it, it does tend to be a positive trait um in people that i'm looking to work with because I think the fact that you're able to go deep on something just speaks to the idea that you're curious and you have an interesting attitude to learning and you haven't found, you know, that there's a certain area where you haven't really found the limit of, of your knowledge and, you, you know, your appetite to keep going deeper in that area is, is like, not yet satisfied. Um, to be honest, I haven't really thought about the other two, you know, I, I it's funny not everyone like consciously designs their career you know so I've really had conversations with people where they're like oh yes I choose to be a journalist I choose to be a specialist um personally I would say I'm a specialist in like front end and in, in like UI development um but I I wouldn't be as I wouldn't be particularly effective as a UI developer without having um, like experience and knowledge in the full stack and in sort of back-end deployments. And even within the sphere of the front end, I've got a certain understanding of um, network communications and network traffic, but I know a little bit, but I don't know a lot in those areas. And you know, there's also, there's security, there's, um, accessibility you know there are so so many subtopics of any one category um i don't think yeah i i just can't I, I can't picture someone who's come come across so many different categories and not not gone deeper on one of them but i also can't picture someone who's only ever gone deep on one topic and has just like not retained any any knowledge or anything useful about like other topics. Thanks, Lawrence. So, um, what made you choose to go down the path of um, of specialising more in in front end? That's a very good question. Um, I a couple of things immediately spring to mind. You know, people talk about oh, you play to your strengths. You know that, and there's sort of conflicting advice that you get. You know, like when you're especially when you're in education or when you're younger it's like oh you should you should work to strengthen your weaknesses and other people oh you should play to your strengths and and I, I probably like tried to do both but ultimately I enjoy some things more than others and I get a a kind of almost irrational satisfaction from saving uh, some source code and seeing the visual effect of that on the screen so when I started with uh, web development, um, I I was working on pet projects and stuff, you know. So it's just playing around with like how 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 can you change the um, the colors and the shapes and the interactivity of something on screen. Um, actually, like just just going right back to when I first played with any programming, it was on like a ZX Spectrum. And I guess in, in one of the magazines at the time, you know, I, I learned a few lines that you could write that would cause the background of the screen color to change. That just really, really like satisfied me for some reason. 
So I think I've just tended to do the things that I most enjoy. Um, I've been doing it for a number of years and I've, I've worked in projects that, that had no UI at all. But even there, like TBD gives me satisfaction because I love the red and the green and the red and the green, you know, and I, I, have, I have a satisfaction to like, you know, see everything go green when you're hoping everything's going to go green, you know, make a change that you think won't things things go green. So I think I'm definitely a very visual person. So for me, uh, it's only natural that I've kind of tended to, to work with visual user interfaces. It's really interesting what you say, Lawrence, about focusing on the things that you're good at and that you enjoy, because um, I, I have conversations with my staff about their career development. And there is kind of an expectation that you you focus on the areas where you're weaker and, and try and be good at everything, try and bring those areas up um, to the same level. But what I say to people is you, it's not realistic to be good at everything and you're not mm -hmm. going to naturally enjoy everything. So but the things you're not as good at, the things you don't enjoy, there will be someone else in the team who is A, really good at that and B, really enjoys it. Um, so it doesn't make sense to fixate on weaknesses to me. It's more around leveraging people's strengths. Um, 100%. Because... Yeah. Um, I, I, like, I, I kind of became full stack at one point in my career um, because full stack was a buzzword and, you know, it's, it's, it seems smart to kind of, uh, like go with the fashion and you know it's, it's better for career, career development and pay and those kind of things but I realized that I'd actually been sort of um, full stack enough throughout my career because without without being able to actually get the files from my machine onto a server that was going to respond to request a domain name building a website was was near enough pointless um, and, and I was early on in my career I was a kind of one-man band um, had like very small um, businesses or individuals who needed websites. Um, so the bit I loved was the the look and the feel, but it was necessary to you know to know how to get um, get a server up and 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 do those kind of things. So I think I was aware of weaknesses. I mean, to this day, there's a tiny stigma around databases. I just feel like, oh, if someone else could do that, that would be better. But at the same time. If I need, if 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 the UI isn't going to be particularly useful or pleasing without uh, something involving a database further back, then I'll use my love of the end result, the UI, to kind of do what's required in in the database. So um, I'm kind of agreeing with you, but also saying I think yeah, that there are cases where you can't avoid your weaknesses. And where there's a good reason why you have to work in, in an area that, that doesn't kind of naturally attract you. But even then, you can kind of frame it, it, it frame it in a frame that you like, you know, like the, the end result that pleases you um, can be the motivation for kind of moving out of your comfort zone. Yeah, and I guess finding the right balance um, because you want to um, enjoy your work, be passionate about what you do. Um, so you want the balance to, to weigh more on the side of what you enjoy and what you're, you're really good at. Absolutely. James, did you want to say something? Yeah, well, I think, you know, focusing on what you enjoy is, is probably, you know, a great way to guide your career development. You know, for, for me, at least, I think a good, you know, general strategy is if you're earlier in your career, cast your net, you know, as far and wide as you can, learn as much as you can about as many different things as you can. Because when you're early on in your career, you're never going to be expected to lead a project anyway. So the main disadvantage doesn't really apply. And it also means that, you know, you've got the, the broader, you know, sort of context of uh, many different technologies and everything you learn after that point will become exponentially easier, you know, the more you learn. So then as your career progresses, you'll find, you know, one, two or three things that you really enjoy doing. And you learn more and more of those. And because you're enjoying them, you'll naturally spend less time on the other things. So I think over time, you'll just naturally develop into a T-shaped uh, engineer as long as you're focusing on things that you enjoy. You know, the only way I think that you could really remain a, a true generalist is either you hate your job um, and you're just you know, doing it as a career strategy or you put in a concerted effort to, um, to learn things that you don't enjoy. And it's not really good for anybody's mental health. Um, so I wouldn't really suggest doing that. But I think uh, 
as long as you're focusing on things you enjoy and you find the things that you enjoy by you know learning that wide array of things at the start uh, it'll just happen organically um it's interesting that's actually one of the, the tips I, I give people you know try out different specialisms to find out what you enjoy um and what you're good at because if you, you don't try then you you might not necessarily find the thing that's right for you yeah exactly because if i the you know as I said first language i learned was c plus plus and i you know Really, I was using a hammer to crack a nut there. And if I just uh, said, right, I'm going to be a C++ developer now, well, yeah, I, I think I'd be bashing my head against the brick wall, to be honest, um, because C++ just isn't fun for certain use cases. Um, you know, it's good for some things. You know, if I went into game development um, or I went into really high-performance computing, then great. You know, learning C++ would be great, but that's not what I enjoy. Um, you know, I really enjoy uh, generally doing, you know, web-based stuff, uh, and uh, hence why C Sharp and .NET became my bread and butter, really. It's interesting you say that because so far in my career, I've never really touched a component of computing that I've hated doing. And I've gone through so many. <laughs> um, you know, I've, I've Sorry? Have you ever done graph databases? Not yet. I wanted to get into GraphQL and that sort of thing. It sounds really interesting. I've read up about them. I've not used them. But, I mean, I've literally gone from this fabulous book by Charles Petzold called Code, the Hidden Language of Computer Software and Hardware, which takes you through literally from a switch flip on and off to a wiring diagram for a... 8-bit microcontroller and I followed along with that with a simulator building it up programming it from um, a, a very rough assembly language level thing all the way through to building databases data structures um, DevOps building Terraform building uh, infrastructure as code um, web design front ends UIs um, back-end API design, interface design, architecture things. And I've just enjoyed whatever I've been diving into, I've enjoyed doing. And I generally don't think of things in the context of I'm a front-end developer, I'm a back-end developer. I, I tend to feel there is so much transferable knowledge across those that when you start to see the similarities between them, for instance, front-end, generally, you've got to manage state, your document object model, UI interfaces, but then you go to back-end and you're doing the same. You're maintaining state a lot. You're transferring data from one type to another. You're maintaining it between your front-end and back-end. Your, your, your transferable skill set, I view as more the ability to see patterns across things rather than focusing purely on front-end design, back-end design, whatever. So it's, it's, and I've not yet found something that I really hated doing. And that includes at one point, I was actually building self-writing SQL code. So it was, it was SQL code that actually generated itself based upon a bunch of data in tables that then rewrote the data in those tables. It was horrific, but it was fascinating at the same time. So I've, I've, I've not come across that thing that makes me go, oh, no, I don't want to do that yet. But if you look at it from the other way around, fair enough, you might not have found anything that you hate. Have you found certain things that you go, oh, I really, really like that more than you know, most of the other stuff? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh... It's essentially the same thing, just framed from the opposite side. I think that's an interesting question because I was, I was kind of wondering the same thing. For me, we're, we're, we're all in agreement, right? We're all very curious. We all love learning stuff. And we've all had experiences where cross-training is, is beneficial, right? Like a, a discovering the, the sort of paradigms that underlie, you know, front, front and back end, right? It's, it's very pleasing to us. Um, so I don't think there's any conflict between like what, what any of us have, have been saying around 
this kind of you come across stuff and you learn a bit about it and you come across other stuff and you learn a bit about it. I mean, and where we've described the the advantages of kind of playing to your strengths and um, T-shaped is something that's happened naturally because of that kind of desire to learn and opportunity to go deep on stuff. Um, so, like, I totally hear you, Peter, like making a, a a description of kind of like moving across the top of the T, you know, and like getting getting that little bit of knowledge in a lot of areas. And, and you know, maybe your T is like in a kind of bold uh, typeface, you know, maybe that, that crossbar is pretty thick. You know, you go fairly deep across broad range. But is there, do you ever consciously kind of stop yourself? Oh, I'm going a bit, I'm going a bit too deep here. This is fascinating to me, but I'm just like, I'm going to avoid going any further because I really want to switch and learn something that I've, you know, I've, I've never touched before. Um, just kind of wondering, yeah, like what's the, what's the natural desire that has you moving on to the next thing? Um, and, and does it, does it obstruct you going deeper on something that you've, you've already been working with before? Good question. Um, I think I've never stopped myself learning. Uh, I actually, fundamentally, I think the day you stop learning is the day you die. Um, and I, if I have a curiosity about something, I will either look it up or make a note to look it up later. Um, I generally follow the, the role, the position that I'm in as to what I'm, you might say I'm specializing in at the time. So for instance, I've recently joined a project with Kudurans that uses Flutter and Dart. Never used those before. Happy to dive in and learn about them. Um, because it's something new, it's something interesting. And immediately going into it, I can see a lot of similarities with things I've done in the past. I can bring in a lot of pre-knowledge to apply to them, but also there's new ways of doing things. There's new paradigms. There's new setups to do it. Um, so no, I've never stopped myself from going into something. The only limitation I have is there's only 24 hours in a day and you can't use all of them. Uh, much as I wish I could do without sleep, I can't. So I literally try to focus whatever learning I'm currently doing on whatever is relevant to the role I'm doing at the time. But at the same time, I will never reject a role because it's in something new or because it's in something I've been doing before. Um, I just use it as, as fodder for further learning and research. So the longer I'm in a particular type of role, the deeper down the T I go in that role. doesn't mean I'm not learning elsewhere at the same time. It just means that that is what happens naturally, um, like a lot of others have said. I think you've hit the nail on the head, really. That, like, as long as you keep on uh, you know, learning, to, to use a visual metaphor to describe it, if instead of a T, you think of a, a water spout going upwards, that can move left and right. But as you know, you continue your career, more and more water keeps getting launched off that tee, and then it dribbles down the sides, and it makes your base level knowledge of everything else higher and higher and higher. And you know, if you're taking on projects that are outside things you've done before, it'll also spread out further as you go. And essentially, you know, the water there is just the amount of effort or the amount of time that you've put into it. So, if you're the kind of person who you know finishes work for the day, goes home, sits down in front of the computer, is like, right. I want to learn this new thing. You're essentially just shoving more water up that pipe. So you can either be, you know, more of a specialist, or you can learn, you know, more topics to a deeper level. Equally, if you're the kind of person who goes home at the end of the day and is like, right, that's it, I'm going to put up Netflix. That's fine, but you just won't have that extra, you know, boosting effect. And I think that's sort of how everything accumulates over the course of your career. Obviously, you know, you've got to consider the containers a bit leaky. You know, if you don't put in any effort whatsoever, or you're at the job market for a while, well. You get to lose some of that skill, but I, I think that's quite a good visual metaphor for it, personally. Okay, so my next question um, for the three of you is: Where do you want to take your career next in terms of, of breadth or depth? Um, should we start with you, Lawrence? Sure. Yeah, all the technology I've been using for a few years, I've become increasingly comfortable with. Um, little bits have kind of added on. So you know, I've been. 
I've been working in the JavaScript ecosystem for a long time. Um, I've been working with React for a long time. It was only a couple of years ago that I was like, um, like using Node on the back end, um, and then recently sort of picked up uh, like serverless, um, doing like Next apps um, as basically the response from like uh, AWS Lambda. So it it feels like it's all just more of the same. It's all just kind of like going down that. Um, that sort of jam stack group. I think the areas where I'm consciously doing things that I haven't been doing before and kind of getting better at them is, is like teaching, um, trying to occupy um, a lead role without imposing myself too much, like trying to cultivate the space for other people to work in. Um, and like I said, I think we can kind of look at, look at what we're doing through a T-shaped frame or not you know um maybe i've been tending to look at it as t-shaped I, I just i see everything i'm doing is just a continuation of what i was doing before so i feel like i'm just you know i'm getting i'm getting to places that i can only get to because of the steps i've taken previously and that makes me feel like it's it's deeper it's going deeper uh where do i want to go next um i, I do definitely want to get better at um being involved in um, management that is not micromanagement. So I've I've worked with people who uh, lead a team, like they stay hands-on and they um, they empower other people to learn and to figure things out for themselves. And, you know, there's a teaching style where you're not, um, you, you're never doing it for anybody. You're, you're just kind of like, helping them answer their own questions and you know kind of steering them so yeah i see myself doing more of that in the future um for, for me that's that's not generalizing that's just going deeper on on i mean my my specialism is myself you know so i, I just sort of see myself as uh, kind of get getting deeper and deeper into that um got some other thoughts but I, i'll save them i think um yeah, I think that's about everything. Okay, thanks, Lawrence. Same question to you, James. Then, where do you want to go next in terms of, of depth or breadth? Yeah, well, uh, in terms of depth or breadth, I have absolutely no idea whatsoever. Um, you know, I haven't planned my career. It's you know, it's just happened organically. Um, the only thing I you know I definitely know in terms of where I want to go technology-wise is. Um, I just don't want to remain stagnant. Uh, as long as I keep learning and I keep on top of new technologies that are coming out, uh, I'm happy. Uh, I've been quite lucky recently because uh, obviously C sharp's, as I said before, C sharp's my favourite language. Um, and since Microsoft basically abandoned the VB uh, and open sourced C sharp and started focusing a lot more on it, we've had some really really great developments in the C sharp and .NET ecosystem. You know, uh, Blazor, for one example, um, is, is a brilliant framework, and I'd love to do more of that. But the second, you know, uh, development on .NET and C Sharp stagnates or something better comes along, I'm going to code learn that. Um, you know, it's, it's a very dynamic industry. In terms of uh, non-technical things, um, well, I want to finish my PhD for one. And then uh, after that, I want to contribute. Well, part of PhD is contributing to the wider sort of knowledge of everybody because you've got to produce, you know, a novel piece of research. and I'd like to start taking some of that into my professional life as well, you know, presenting at conferences, doing podcasts. And uh, while I don't profess to be, you know, the smartest person around or the, you know, the, the most expert expert, uh, I think everybody's got, got something to add and a perspective to add. And I'd like to share mine and listen to others at the same time. Great. Thanks, James. And what about you, Peter? Where do you want to go next in terms of? Uh, broadening your 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 skills or, or digging deep in a particular area? That's a really good question. And I'm really glad you've let the others go first on this one because I have really had to dig deep to get an answer on this one. Um, if you force me to say what I wanted to do, uh, technology-wise, I don't think I could answer because I will go wherever I needed because... I, 
as long as I'm working with computers, as long as I'm programming, I'm fine with it. You know, stick me in front of something and I'll pick it up, except maybe Java. I don't like Java. <laughs> you would find something you um, I'll make a mental note never to put you on a client that requires Java. <laughs> so it's just a bad language. But at the, at the same time, I have done personal work with Kotlin, which is basically Java, but made more like C-sharp. Um, and I know I'm going to get a lot of hate for that comment, but hey, as part of the latest engagement, um, because he's doing iOS work, um, I'm now using a Mac, which is something I never thought I would be doing. I've always used Windows or Linux. So technology-wise, I'm always open to expand. One of the things I've realized discussing things here and further through Kajurans and my career is I've perhaps lack some of the soft skills, um, the management skills, the training, the mentoring, those sorts of things that I have done. But seeing how others do it, I'm not sure I was effective in how I approached it. Um, and it's something I'm really enjoying being here at Couturians is seeing how others are applying that and learning from them, um, which I really am doing my best to do at the moment. That's, that's basically where I see my next growth area. Um, so again, specialization into a whole new area, if you like. Um, those, those softer skills that we all need. Um, we, don't, we don't code on our own. We don't, we're not solo, no matter whether we're working for an end user, whether we're working for a consultancy, whether we're working for you know, ourselves, we all need those, those sorts of skills that are outside the computer screen. And that's possibly where I see my next, next growth area. I feel it's only fair if I answer that question myself, given that I put everyone else on the spot. Um, so my, my professional background is actually as a BA and project manager slash delivery manager. Um, but I'm obviously in a different role now. And that came about because of um, the government's apprenticeship scheme. And I had the opportunity to do a senior leader apprenticeship, which involved um, doing going back to university and doing an MBA. And that actually made me realise that I no longer wanted to specialise in project and delivery management. I'd done that for a long time and I'd worked on a, a wide variety of projects. As a result of doing my MBA, I've now moved into a totally different role, which is a business focused role. And I'm now responsible for the business performance of my region. And that covers off, it, it doesn't have an operational focus instead of project delivery, it covers off all of the aspects of, um, of a business, a successful business. So sales, marketing, people, recruitment, client delivery, obviously, finance, um, and I'm, I'm spread across um, a number of areas. And I'm actually really enjoying that and also really enjoying having moved to the private sector from the public sector. And definitely my MBA helped me to do that. Um, but I think it's, for me, um, especially working in tech, if you fixate on a particular career path, career plan, then you miss out on so many opportunities. So it's really important to have an open mind um, and, and notice what opportunities are coming up and, and go after them, seize those opportunities um, if it's something you think you might be interested in and see where it takes you. I forgot to mention uh, podcast extraordinaire and social media influencer on your uh, list of responsibilities. Yeah, and I do public speaking since I since I joined Cogerance, which is something I never thought I would do in a million years. But hey, um, I uh, I say yes to a lot of things. Yeah, ten talk by the end of next year, no doubt. Right. Do we have any uh, Do we have any final thoughts from anyone? One thing that I've a kind of thought that I've been chewing over recently is there's this. This idea that um, if you if you only focus on on the thing that you're looking for, then you'll miss like you'll miss all the other opportunities. And I've always seen it. I've always seen that kind of thought and that kind of frame in that way. Like yeah, like being open minded. Um, don't be distracted by you know thinking that you need this one particular thing. Um, and as with so many other things, like I can kind of see, I can see. I see a statement um, that chimes with me and also kind of see the reverse. I can kind of like argue against myself constantly. It's like you can, 
you can be seeking one particular thing and find it much better because you have it so clearly in mind. Um, but on the other hand, if you have nothing in mind, then you see opportunities that someone who's kind of like, uh, you know, primed and looking for a particular thing would miss. Yeah, I guess my take home point from this discussion is there's no right or wrong path um, to take. Everyone's different and, and you can also pivot at various yeah. points in your career. Um, you, you own your career. It's up to you where you take it. And, um, you know, it, it shouldn't be, uh, you shouldn't feel that others are influencing, dictating where you want to go. Thank you. Consistency through all the shapes. And that is that at some point, the shape you're in won't fit the market at the time. So you've got to progress further at that point. Um, otherwise, you become that algal developer sat in the uh, basement when the banks go, right, we've migrated to a modern microservices framework and then you've nowhere to go. Um, I've heard it referred to as the technology steamroller. If you don't get out of the way and keep progressing, you're going to get squished. Mm -hmm. um, and at some point, you do have to, whether it's you by diving further down the T you progress ahead of it by being more specialized or by expanding the specialization naturally, or whether you go sideways and dodge out of the way of it, at some point you've got to dodge the steamroller. That's probably the best metaphor I've ever heard, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I think for me that the key is, you know, it doesn't matter what uh, what your skill set is, the, the underlying ability that is sort of the most important to everything is the ability and willingness to learn. If, if you, have developed the skills to learn effectively and you know let's let's be brutally honest here knowing how to learn is a skill set in and of itself uh then you'll be fine you know you just have to put in a little bit of effort and you can either pivot or um you know become more specialized as you see fit if you stop learning then you're in trouble brilliant i think we'll end there for today um, so thank you to my guests for this episode we have peter street james hughes and lawrence lord Thanks for joining us on Coherence Talks. Be sure to visit our website, coherence.com, where you can keep up to date with us and the industry. If you found value in this show, please do give us a rating on Spotify, or if you'd simply um, tell a friend about Coherence Talks, that would help us out too. Be sure to tune in for our next episode. Remember that how it is done is important as getting it done. Make time, be passionate about learning and craft with heart. <laughs>